Thanks for tuning in to Culture Car ATX. I'm your co-host, Michael Ward Jr., here with Donald Scott II. Our goal at Culture Crawl ATX is to change the world one conversation at a time. We hope you enjoy this episode. Actually, I just wanted to jump into the conversation around, like, um, the violence against our Asian uh, uh, friends, right? Friends, colleagues, peers, uh, classmates, right? Um, I think it's been pretty interesting seeing how quickly the communities of inclusion and diversity have mobilized to stand up to speak against, uh, speak against and speak out against what could have been a passive, um, I guess, a, a, a passive acceptance. Right. So if I this, this conversation may may um, meander a little bit, but I was talking with a, a handful of folks and it, it might get a little controversial, too. So be ready. Um, <laughs> but I was talking to a handful of folks and we were talking about. Uh, reaction. Right. And when do people choose to react to violence? And one of the conversations that came up was when the synagogues were being attacked. Um, although it was like pre-COVID and pre, you know, quote unquote, George Floyd, uh, no one really spoke out against the violence against our Jewish community. Um, and I'm sure that there's other topics, right? That no one really speaks out, uh, except it was a little bit speaking out against uh, the violence against trans uh, black people that was happening, um, where it was kind of like an ice. It, it wasn't an isolated event, but the people who were affected by it most were treated um, in an isolated fashion. Whereas right now, it seems like. Um, the stories that are coming out are being elevated and these the IND apparatus, at least in a handful of companies, and let's say it, it could all be marketing, right? Because in some form or fashion, Black Lives Matter uh, does find itself to overlap with marketing. If you start to then listen to the stories of, of the major organizations and how they actually treat their people of color. Um, but I think it's been pretty interesting to see the mobilization of people stand up and say, we are not going to allow this to become commonplace. And as a matter of fact, we're going to raise our voices in, um, in solidarity. Uh, so, I, you know, and today even I saw a link on my, um, saw a link on my IND channel that said that there's a website, uh, something that like it's like it's support Asian American, uh, Asian American day. Or something like that. I don't know where that came from, or, or I tried to click on the link, but the website was down. But um, but I think that you know, as we talk through uh, what it means to be American, right? What it means to be accepted, what it means to be um, stereotyped, right? A lot of people go through the same challenges, but there's power in numbers if we operate as a global majority against violence against people, 
Right. And um, <clears throat> so I guess, you know, that's an opening. But I guess my question, and uh, <laughs> this would be for, for Audrey as our um, as our guest Asian, here to speak on behalf of all of the Asians. I'll speak uh, <laughs> for all of the Asians, yeah. On, on, on behalf of all the Asians in America and, and, um, and on the continent, whether the uh, Central Asian continent or the South uh, Asian continent, depending on how you feel about all that, um, <laughs> I guess my question is, like, how do you feel? Right. Because because <clears throat> people were when 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 shit was popping off for black people, I remember being in calls and white people would be like, what should we do? And then and then our response to white people was call a black person and ask them how they're doing. Check in on them. And I guess my question for you is, one, how do you feel? But two, have you had anybody call and check in on you? Yeah, well, so. Thank you for the, 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 the setup and the preamble uh, and for inviting me, Donald. Um, I, I don't know how I feel, right? One of the reasons why I thought it'd be great to come on and talk with you guys is, is to do some live processing, right? I, I imagine it was a lot of the stages of grief, right? There's a lot of anger. I did a lot of like rage donating, you know, last week, um, a lot of sadness. I think that the, actually, it turns out the day immediately after the Atlanta shooting, I actually separately had a, a bit of a workshop with a nonprofit that I'm on a board of. We were doing work on race equity. Um, you know, obviously not planned in, in like knowing that Atlanta was going to happen, right? but it happened the day after. And so the, the moderator actually opened with like an acknowledgement. Um, of the events and you know our feelings about it, and I felt very spotlighted to be honest, right? And I imagine you have had this feeling a lot last year, but it's like you know the only Asian in the room, so I'm like, okay, now everyone's looking at me, right? And and um, it was well intentioned, but I don't know that I and I think you know ultimately I appreciated the acknowledgement of the pain, but I don't think in the moment that I really did. That makes sense, right? Like, uh, I don't like. Uh, please don't look at me. I don't want. I'm not ready to, to talk about this. I'm not ready to process this, right? Um, but I, to your other question, I did get reached out to, and not for nothing. Immediately, there were two people that um, reached out um, proactively. One was Jewish, and one was black, right? So I think that there are communities who very much have been there and feel that, and like. Um, are therefore more likely to be the ones to be reaching out, right? Yeah, I uh, completely agree with that. And that kind of goes with what Donald was saying as now we're seeing this, this unity, uh, I'm gonna say potential unity because I kind of want to speak for everybody, uh, but this potential unity of the global majority, right? So whether you're black, whether you're Hispanic, whether you're indigenous, uh, whether you are you are Asian and you uh, been here in America, have not been here in America, just got here in America, and I don't know how, how long you've been here. It, it's it's uh, uh, it doesn't really matter as far as the length of time. Right. But now we're realizing that it's violence against people and it's violence against a certain demographic uh, of, of individuals. Um, and we know we know the saying, you know, united we stand, divided we fall. And for a very long time, our society has been 
and divided. Uh, but one thing that does unite individuals is a, is a shared pain, right? It is, is a shared struggle. And right now we're witnessing the, the outcomes or the results of a system that, that is not supporting, protecting, and uplifting individuals from the global majority. And it happens very differently, you know, amongst ethnicities, uh, whether you are Black, Hispanic, Asian, Indigenous, I mean, everybody has very different um, situations inside that space. Uh, but I, I do have hope for this idea of unity and coming together because that's how we're gonna move forward and actually create solutions, right? That's how we're actually be able to hold people accountable so that we can create a life or leave behind a life that is much better than what we're currently going through. Uh, because, you know, as, as I mentioned earlier, when we were talking before we started recording, is that I believe year to date, there's been 103 massacres, 103 massacres in the US. That, that's ridiculous. It's like, why, why so many, right? You know, why, why have so many lives have been lost um, over violence and over, you know, gun violence um, and the number of individuals that have died, right? I'm not even sure uh, if that number is saying 103 individuals died and they go back and double check or just saying a total of massacres at, at a point in time. And that's just, you know, way too many because that adds, you know, a, a scar in our community and, and in our society. And that scar sometimes cuts deeper for certain ethnicities than other, given uh, the the life that we're living in today. Yeah, I, I found it interesting, though, Donald, that you're like, oh, well, people like that. Your observation is that people mo like mobilize so quickly. Because um, I actually didn't even, I didn't feel that way. Not that it was slow, right? But I didn't feel like it was a particularly quick mobilization. Um, I think you're probably right. I, that probably, in my mind, that's a lot to do with this moment in time, right? Like we, I think, unfortunately, people have gotten very good, right, at um, what to do when, right? There have been so many massacres now at this point that it's like, okay, you know, here's a playbook. Let's go, guys. Let's let's start posting. Let's start marching. Let's start rallying. You know, it's a, which is you know, it, it's it's sad kind of on its own too, right? Um, but I think that the violence against Asians was quietly escalating for a while this year, right? Um, it, it exploded with Atlanta, um, but you know, you've seen so many articles of, for whatever reason, elderly Asians being targeted and attacked, right? It just seems uh, to me just so, you know, cowardly, right? Um, to attack like the elderly of, 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 of all, all people. But I guess that's why I didn't feel like the mobilization was like immediate. Um, to me, it felt like, you know, this has been going on for a while and we just, we, we recently had a catalyst, right? You bring up, <clears throat> you bring up a good point actually. Um, and, and thank you for mentioning that because though I did say it seemed, um, to mobilize fast, it's more like it happened exponentially with a long runway. Uh, uh, because we actually, let's see, how do I say this? In a previous organization, um, someone did write a blog about uh, including Asians in the conversation of inclusion and diversity, because especially in the Americas, 
Asians usually get overlooked when we're talking about IND, right? Because it's always like uh, black and brown, black and Hispanic, Latinx. Um, and, and what I've taken from this experience is maybe a bit of, I'll call it misplaced empathy. But when we were on calls, so we being black people, right? During, during like Juneteenth 20. 20 and we were all on the calls and everybody's like, Oh my God, we can't believe that they kneeled on that dude's neck. I didn't know it was like that. Uh, you know, among black people, we were like, this been like this. Yeah. And then we kind of joke about, um, the Dave Chappelle skit from years ago where like, uh, people didn't know that they were beating up black people until it was on time magazine. Right. Or something <laughs> like that. And, and it's like, how could you not know? But, Personally, right, as a, my, as a Black person uh, in, engaged in inclusion and diversity, focused on um, intersectionality and, and empowerment, I'm not reading articles and I'm not a part of the community that says, oh, by the way, uh, another person was attacked and they were targeted likely because they were Asian, right? I, I'm not in that circle, so I wasn't yeah. seeing that communication. So I can see how another group may be like, oh, my God, I didn't know, even yeah. though the large group of your minorities did know because it's, it's small, um, not because it's small, but because it's closed group story and it's a function of probably, um, you know, mass media. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, you you bring up a good point. It's it it may not have been fast, right? Like it, the things have been happening for years. Actually, there was this article. Um, there was a. It's not even an article. <laughs> On either Instagram or Twitter, some woman in Texas said that her, I don't know, father maybe, was the leader of the Ku Klux Klan, and he murdered a bunch of Vietnamese fishermen in Texas uh, years ago. Right. I've <laughs> I've never heard that story, nor would I even be like and my and actually this is ignorant, probably. Um, but I was like, why are they attacking Vietnamese people? You know, what I mean, like wh for what reason? But it's because I don't associate hatred with Asians. You know what I mean? Like, I don't I don't consider that someone else hates Asians the way they hate black people. <laughs> which, which I think then like triggers that statement of like, why are we focused on quote unquote them when there's yeah. all of these things that are happening? But at the end of the day, hate against a person should be called out and it shouldn't be prioritized. Right. And I, I think a lot of people are um, having that internal dialogue with themselves as we start thinking through and up and, and working through how to have a, consolidated conversation about what is happening culturally when we start attacking people and what could be done in the future better to ensure that um, we have a shared voice. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, and, you know, I've been involved in a lot of um, DEI work myself, and honestly, professionally, most of it has been through the lens of gender, right? Because uh, to your point, um, you know, and, and I'm in software and, 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 and you two gentlemen are as well, right? The Asians aren't underrepresented for the most part in tech, right? 
Um, there are other issues for sure, but but underrepresentation as a whole, not typically one of them, right? Um, and and you know, caveat that with the Asian community, AAPI community is is very diverse, right? And so there's a you know that it's a very different experience for for me who you know uh, my parents immigrated, they're from China. I immigrated technically. I'm from Canada, right? That's very different from somebody who just came from Vietnam, for example, right? So there's diversity in experience, but and the representation isn't the same for those um, those groups. But at the high level, not underrepresented. So I think it's one that hasn't drawn a lot of attention, um, definitely not recently, right? Uh, and while there is just there's a lot of discrimination out there, period, and the Asian community has experienced that uh, discrimination for a long time in America, um, it has been more quiet recently, right? Um, I think it is different to be a black man in America, right? It's, it, I, I think, maybe controversial, more dangerous to be a black man in America than an Asian one, probably, right? Don't have the numbers, don't have any research to back that up. Uh, that's just my gut, right? Um, but that's changing. Like violence is escalating again now against the Asian community, right? Um, and visibility is changing as well, right? And but to your point, it's not a race to the bottom, right? Uh, it's not a zero-sum game. There's room for all of us in the movement. Yeah, and I completely agree with that last statement there. There definitely is room for for all of us when we think about this movement and really fight for for equity and justice and what's right. And as, as I think through the comments that both of you all stated, just as far as you know, this has been happening over the years and you know, why that story never came out about that individual's uh, father and what he did to those that are Vietnamese is because of just percentages, right? So the black population is about 13 percent, Hispanic population is about you know, 18 percent. And these are based off of the last census data. So these have definitely changed um, since then. Um, but then the, the Asian population is slightly under 6%. Yeah. So because our, our numbers are not the majority, therefore the stories and the, and the visibility is not on, on us, right? So a lot of the, a lot of the negative um, things that happen or the uh, challenges or obstacles, you know, those stories don't get told because there's just so much of other stories that are toppling on, on, on that, right? So because of all the other work that's being done in these majority white spaces, well, that is being flushed into the media versus the things uh, that really impact us on a day-to-day, you know, from a percentage standpoint. So I, I know that definitely ha has an impact into what gets seen, what gets spread, and, and what the actual solution is on the, on the other side. Uh, but then, you know, the way around that, of course, goes right back to us, you know, unifying and being that, that voice and that fight um, for individuals that are that are coming you know, collectively, and as I as I uh, heard and saw what was going, uh, what was happening in in Atlanta, the first question I had was very similar to you, Donald. Kinda, it was like, whoa, why are they doing that? Like, why why massage parlors? Like, time out. Like, whoa, why? You know, it was so so confused uh, because that's something that I, I would have been thinking about doing. Right, now, I'm not in that lens. I'm not thinking about it from, from that perspective. However when uh, there's any, you know, massacres at, at the, the Capitol, I could connect to that, you know, a, a lot easier. 
if it's uh, someone who is being shot by a police officer, I can relate to that um, a lot easier. But just because I can't relate to the shootings and the mask and the massage parlor as as quickly or as you know automatically doesn't mean it's, it's not valuable, right? It doesn't mean it's still not important. It doesn't mean that that doesn't have any impact uh, whatsoever. And I think that's what people are starting to realize is that there are situations that are happening in our society that at one point they weren't able to connect it to themselves, but now they're starting to say, oh, wow, that could have been me, right? Even yeah. though that person may not look like them, I think now people are starting to realize, oh, we are treating Americans like this or we are treating residents like this, or we are treating people like this, right? I think, I think that we're starting to see this shift, you know, mentally um, about this idea of how we should be engaging with people regardless of what they look like and where they're from, because now there's no, there's no like, oh, that was a criminal, or oh, yeah. well, well, that person was, was in that zip code. It's like, no, y'all are just doing this to everybody that don't look like the majority, right? Y'all are not doing this to everybody who's probably not the 1%, right? Now we're starting to realize there's some type of, uh, of mix between those that are being abused, that are being exploited, that are being marginalized, and that are being killed by the system. So I, I bet a question here, right? So can't relate to it. But I, I bet what did sound really familiar was the official response, right? And I probably shouldn't assume, right? Because I think when the news came, first came out, I was, I was sad, I was heartbroken, right? Um, it wasn't until like the official re reaction, like the police statement, right, that I got enraged, right? Uh, and you know what I'm referring to specifically is like the apology, right? The oh no, this wasn't a hate crime, because we know, because he told us this, right? We had a nice, pleasant conversation with this poor, disturbed young man. He told us it wasn't a hate crime. It wasn't. Don't worry. He just hates women, right? And it's like, I'm sorry, excuse me. And that's when, like, for me, the anger really starts to build, right? Um, and I think to a comment somebody made earlier, intersectionality is a really important context here as well, right? Because I think, you know, beyond history of discrimination against Asians, there's, you know, um, the, there's a very dangerous view and um, fetishization of like Asian women in specific, right? And so here you, you, you do have a hate crime in my belief, right? It's against Asians, against Asian women, right? And, and the, the, the apology, right? Um, really kind of, um, they, they were tough for me to hear, right? And the, no, you guys, it's not a hate crime, um, just hates women. Oh, no, no, sorry, that, doesn't hate women, just hate sex workers. Don't worry. Let's guys focus on the real victim here and not the shooter, right? And that just, it, that really, you know, that really angered me, rubbed me the wrong way. I, I appreciate your, your honesty and your transparency. And as I heard you say that, I immediately thought about what they did with the rioters at the Capitol. Oh, yeah. it, was like, it was like, you know, here it is. They committed treason. They committed a crime. They're like, oh, what are you talking about? They just, you know, took a computer. They just sat in a chair. Oh, they were just going for a stroll. It's like, no, don't whitewash what happened, right? You know, don't don't make it a pleasing to you. And then how dare you, how dare you try to minimize how I feel, um, right? Here it is. I'm telling you how I feel. It has nothing to do with you. So, so you have no idea who I am. I'm coming to you and I'm telling you how I feel about something. 
regardless of what it is that I'm telling you, the fact that I'm bringing this to you is an issue, right? We need to be, we should address that versus making it seem like what I'm feeling um, is, is wrong or I shouldn't be feeling what is it that I'm feeling inside this space because you don't know my experiences, you don't know my background and you don't know what it's like to, to see individuals who look like me that, that, that come from places that I come from to be treated this way when we know this is not the way everybody is treated, right? I mean, we'll be having a different type of conversation. We'll still be talking about it, but we'll be a different type of conversation if everybody was dying all the time. You know, we'll be saying, whoa, time out, y'all. Everybody's dying. We, we, should, we should need to address this because this is a natural disaster. This, this, this is something that's going on. Something's weird. But the fact that this is being, you know, specific to type of individuals, oh, this is a behavior. And a behavior happens because of a thought process, because of how people feel and, and things. So we, so we need to address those things so that we can actually stop this behavior versus, you know, putting it under a rug and making it seem as if this doesn't, didn't happen or believing, you know, racism doesn't exist or believing people don't discriminate. It's like you're just avoiding the problem and not addressing the problem to find a solution so we can move forward collectively. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, it's just an interesting time right now. Um, because there is a lot of energy around the corporate response to inclusion and diversity. But what I'm finding is that the corporate response to inclusion and diversity overlap with responding to tragedy, right? Mm -hmm. So for example, it's, it's, not that, um, it's not that promotion numbers came out and there were no black faces in the promotion list and then the CEO sent an email saying, hey, it looks like we have a problem here. None of our black employees were promoted. Instead, the email comes from the CEO and the HR and, and this whole new um, IND paradigm because we've seen people get murdered. Uh, and so I wonder like, what that says about our corporate society. Right. Like Audrey, you mentioned um, <laughs> when when someone's like, oh, you know, uh, shit's hitting the fan for the Asians. Let's ask Audrey. Right. And they don't even have to say anything to you. You know, you're the only one either in the room or on Zoom. Right. You see your face and you see the other faces of your peers and none of them look like you. So then whether you're looking back at Zoom or you're in a room, you know that all of the energy is focused on you. And now you have to like take on that um, trauma almost, right? But that trauma is not a function of our professional lives. And it's to me unfair that we have to carry the burden in the world and in the office now. Um, and so, you know, I wonder if, if we've set a precedent where now we will have to deal with the trauma of life at work forever because you know they continue to um they continue to dissolve the barrier between work and life right even we've heard them say there's no more work-life balance it's work-life integration okay that's easy for people to say when they don't have to deal with trauma at home but now you're saying that I have to bring these traumas from home into the office where at one point in time, the office could potentially have been a safe space, even if I was the only black person, right? I could just pretend not to be black and just pretend to be 
a solution architect or pretend to just be an engineer and we're all the same. But now that we're having these conversations in the office and we see the violence escalating and we have the disillusion of, of that separation, I wonder how we will be able to manage or like what opportunity, I don't know, what opportunity is out there to ensure that we are being um, cared for whatever i don't know but uh but i think that we have a long way to go because it's not going to end in fact it's going to escalate as the messages continue to be elevated right i i what i think is um we are we will start to see more stories of the attack on the asian community which will make us start to believe and feel that these attacks are elevating and escalating when in fact they may be regular regularly occurring but um not as i don't, don't want to say uh let me see how to say this um they may not be they may not be as prevalent as we think them to be but because we will have more visibility they will become more regular and it will become more a part of our collective uh uh, consciousness, but it's not like we can trust the United States, whether the people or the corporation, to do anything about it, which means the stories will just keep coming. And that shit feels overwhelming. It does. It, 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 it's heavy, right? And it's, you know, I, I had actually never thought about it that way before, Donald, the, that the, the trauma is the only catalyst we ever have for conversations, right? Um, in a business context when there's all kinds of business problems like promotion or pay equity right that should be addressed like that, that are, are separate from tra tra like traumatic events right um i never really thought about it that way um, but you're 100 percent right um i think about it a little bit as my experience as a woman too though right because you know you don't off the the conversation for gender equity um isn't often catalyzed by trauma that's one that we just like have been banging the drum on carrying the weight forever right every now and then you have you know hey march is a day where we have to work till to get um um you know compensation equity on average right if you're a black or brown woman that's that date's in october um so again intersectionality matters but yeah i just you're right. You're right. We, do, we don't talk about equality until there's violence. And there are plenty of problems in the business context that are not related to violence, right? So uh, I do agree to an extent, and, and that goes back to any type of pain being the catalyst to overcome status quo, right? You know, if you have enough amount of pain, then that will trigger a response hopefully in the right direction. Um, so I do believe that, you know, there's been many, many moments in our history where that pain, that trauma has created some type of push, but then there are definitely, you know, some organizations, some businesses, some people uh, that are being proactive, that understand the gaps that they have and begin to develop the team or the right initiatives in order to overcome or support that initiative, right? So I mean, there's so many more new companies, 
that are being built with um, diversity, equity, inclusion in mind, right? Diversifying your staff, having more women on there, diversifying them you know, from an ethnicity standpoint as well, but even diversity of thought, you know, diversity in, um, in generations and what that looks like. Um, so, so there's definitely hope on that end. And then I, I do see, you know, individuals that, that are doing the good work, those being the ones to then hold this new wave of, I'm going to say, justice accountable, right? Because that is really the missing piece is that we know that always happens. We know that there are always mistakes, but what do, what, or what can we do as the, as the um, justice fighters, right? So whether you're a nonprofit, whether you're an individual contributor, whether you're a great organization, a great business, whoever is doing the justice work out there in some capacity, right? The ones that are really fighting for diversity, equity, inclusion. How are you, how are we holding those that are not accountable, right? How do we actually show them, hey, no, we don't need to continue going down this pathway where we have to wait for something to happen negatively for us to react positively, right? Why can't we just go out there reacting positively right now to prevent a lot of these injustices from happening? So let's invest economically, let's invest socially, let's invest politically into our communities so that we don't actually have massacres in the Asian community. So we don't have police officers killing those that are from the black community. So we don't have an immigration problem continuously in our in our country, but we actually create solutions because we've done the work, put in the time, have been and, and have been proactive. Um, so I do have hope um, for organizations and for individual people like that because I know that's the work that we are doing at Austin Urban Technology Movement mm-hmm. and the work that I know Donald that you do uh, on, on on a few of the hats that you wear and Audrey just from our conversation you know, early as well. I see that you have a, um, a, a passion for that as well. Uh, so I do have hope that this trauma, or I'm gonna say this, this new decade of trauma, I'm saying this new decade since you know 2020 has you know kind of tipped, tipped the edge, you know, whether it's COVID-19, then Winchester Murray, and now we're getting massacres at, you know, this is there's definitely a lot that's going on with this new decade, but I believe this is what's needed for that new status quo to be created. And I believe that we're, we're, we are creating a status quo with nowhere near the finish line. So I wanna be very transparent about that. But I do see the shift around accountability and transparency and being direct and calling what things are so that we can move forward in a more diverse, equitable and inclusive status quo slash society. You know, I think just, yeah, yeah. that's right. There are people out there doing the work constantly, right? And I think that it's it's exhausting work. It is good work. It is exhausting. And then you have, you know, um, violent events on top of that, which tend to be like the catalyst for, okay, now corporations caring, now employers caring, right? And I think that's the point on, you know, it, it, that's the extra weight because there's the work that you have been doing already, Right now there's a catalyst and people are paying attention. So you're like, okay, now I, I really, I should double down because here's a moment that I might be able to really make change. But at the same time, you're processing the events, you're feeling the weight of the events itself, right? So it's just like triply exhausting during those times, probably. Um, you know, if I were to rephrase a little bit of what you said earlier, Donald. 
Yeah, actually, you know what? So I, I've also just uh, started a new job, and in, in looking at the Zoom uh, palette, what I recognize is that diversity does not have a majority, right? If everyone is represented, then you, you may not have anyone that looks like you on the screen. But at the same time, not everyone on the screen looks opposite of you. And I feel that different. Um, when I, you know, in my previous job, I was on a client where it was me and a whole lot of white dudes and, and maybe one white, one, one to three white women. And like looking at that screen for eight hours a day was draining just because I, I, I didn't feel like I saw myself, right? And now I'm on, on this new call where I'm looking at, at a, another array of faces for eight hours a day. But because of the diversity of those faces, I don't feel as, um, I don't feel as self-conscious, I would say, probably. And I think that's one of the emotional things that people, like decision makers, right, corporate leaders, need to would be best to understand um and and the the ability to explain that to them right is is our responsibility so i do agree uh, <laughs> the work is is mad annoying you know what i mean like i had to and and the thing is you have to be compassionate and empath empathetic but also a professional um whereas you know some people don't even have to think about these things and so it's just that added burden of the that I don't know the the subconscious or or maybe even the the split conscious mind that's like I am this individual but I also hear this language or I see this in these slides I recognize that they are rooted in ignorance and now it's my responsibility to speak up and root out the ignorance <laughs> and, then, and then I'm like man do I really care uh, and I do which is the problem so. So I think that's the question, right? Right. How much do you care? Because I would say that I love unrooting racism, right? Like that, that's, that's like, that excites me, right? Holding people accountable, letting people know, know what you are doing is wrong. You don't believe that. I understand because of your environment, because of what you were taught. Cool. No problem. But I live this. So let me tell you this, right? So that's how I see that that the work that we're doing and other individuals like inside this space, right? So whether you're a nonprofit leader, whether you're a community leader, whether you're an activist, you know, whether you are, uh, I mean, I'm not sure what other terminology I would use or what different um, um, name to call it, but individuals that are out there doing the good fight that are working hard is like, you understand this is an uphill battle. Like, don't get me wrong. By any means, life is never easy, but you put your, you put your uh, pants on one leg at a time, you get up, you do what you got to do. Um, and you go out there and you, you get the job done. Um, and one, one analogy that I'll use, I was talking to my wife about the other day is, you know, look at a firefighter, right? You know, a firefighter risks their life each and every day to go and save people. And they do it all the time. Right? And I'm not going to use a police officer in this analogy because no one hates a firefighter. Mm -hmm. right? I, I never heard a story where it sounds like, oh, man, I, I'm so mad my firefighter came and tried to save my house from catching a fire. Like, I've never heard that story before. Uh, so as I think about just that analogy from a firefighter, you know, getting up every day, you know, their their life is at jeopardy every time they go into the fire, but they still go because they know that what needs to be done. 
Um, but you don't call a firefighter for every fight, right? So I think that's where we think about how much time and energy do we want to give to solving that problem? And is that problem going to be worth it? Because you're right, it is draining. It can be overwhelming. But if the opportunity does present itself, oh, then let's jump at that opportunity because we have no idea how much of an impact that's going to have for that individual person or what they're going to do you know, down the road. Uh, but it's definitely um, a case by case because sometimes it can be too much and overwhelming for you. Also, I think so. Like, uh, I want to like talk a little bit more of that extra weight thing, right? Because, um, and the extra weight, because, because, you know, one of my beliefs, I don't know if it's true or not, right? But some of that extra weight is like, if you are the only person that looks like you in that room, I think there's always this like awareness or, or like maybe a self-imposed sense of responsibility that you are representing a group, right? And so, you know, other people, they can be bad and they will have been bad at their job. But if I am bad at my job, then all, you know, women suck at this job, Asians suck at this job, right? And so I think that adds a weight, or at least it does to me, right? And then also when you're like the only voice in the room, it can, it can get really exhausting, right? Like as one of like the few females in, 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 in tech and uh, private equity, right? Um, I might be the only one available to interview, right? So all of a sudden I have to do my job as well as everyone else, but I have to be on every single interview because we only have one woman who can possibly interview, right? And also, you know, I'm the only voice that's like, hey, once we've hired X, you know, white guys in a row that all look the same, hey, you guys, remember when we said that diversity matters? Maybe we should like, you know, hire differently, right? And to be the only voice kind of repeating it all the time, you start to get self-conscious that like, hey, you're being difficult this is going to negatively affect your career and, and your path, right? So I think those are some of the things that like minorities have to deal with on top of doing their jobs well, right? Yeah, and that's that cultural taxation um, that, that yeah. goes around. And it's so funny that my wife was, that was just having an interview about that earlier today. Uh, and that is real, right? There's this sensation that we have to represent an entire group or groups of individuals because we may be the only one and we know to bring Donald back is that we know that what they're saying is wrong it's like no that is not right you have no idea what is it that you're talking about uh, but then at the same time you know you don't speak for everybody you know you're not you don't know all the information about everything but at the same time you do want to engage and, and do your part to to add a value to, to the conversation and prevent any type any type of stereotypes if you can Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting. For for a while though, like the the Asian stereotypes in work were like, um, they 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 were both positive and negative, right? Um, which I think is is probably worse than than what you guys get as as black men, right? They're like, hey, she's probably really good at math. We're not going to worry about that. Let's just see if she are articulate and can she, you know, talk and interact like a normal person, right? Uh, so for a while, I was like, okay, I don't have to prove to anybody that I'm good at math. That's that's. That's cool. I guess that's positive discrimination. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah, right. All these different stereotypes that, that come from the majority lens definitely do have, have an impact with, with how, how we engage in a day to day and what that relationship looks like with them. Uh, but you're right. There, there's definitely several different types of uh, stereotypes. And I know for me, when I was in corporate America, for me, it was that, oh, I'm aggressive. You know, oh, you know, black men are aggressive. And it's like, what? I'm not aggressive. Y'all just soft, right? <laughs> but it's like, I'm not I, I, I can't say that because then I'm the one who's wrong. It's like, no, I just grew up in Miami, right? This is how I am. I'm from the city. 
it's a completely different lifestyle um, over here. So it's just really funny because this is a different perspective, right? It's a different understanding. And I, I do challenge myself just to laugh at people's ignorance, right? They just, they just don't know, right? And that's the way that I got to come about it is that they have no idea what they're talking about. So, you know, how strong is your resolve, right? Are you going to allow someone who has no idea who you are or what you are or what you really do, how you do it, are we going to let them kind of, you know, impact your resolve and then now your equilibrium is offline because of them? Or are you going to stay strong and say, you know, you're not going to let that, you know, interact with you because I just think about the moments when, like, it was the only, you know, um, uh, black person that was doing, uh, that was going through Jim Crow when they were going and doing their, uh, when they were trying to break down segregation or that first person who immigrated from China, right? What were they like? What were they going through when they were literally the only ones because they were the first ones, right? So I have moments like that. And I just kind of think about what we need to do our side in order to, you know, leave the world a better place, bring everybody together and really fight for, for justice and prevent things from going on and on. And on that note, we thank you for listening and ask that you click that like button and subscribe to Culture Crawl ATX wherever you listen to your podcast. We hope you enjoyed the conversation and heard something you can take back to your friends and family. Please follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn. And remember, you can always find the latest episodes on culturecrawlatx.com.